When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to get to, um, some brief stuff to touch on before getting into some football talk. You know, we've been focusing in on the new position coaches over the last few weeks, and now we have one more to talk about in a somewhat new position coach um, with Paul Chris taking back over the quarterback room as well as that'll kind of transition into us talking about the offense overall, how it will kind of look as you get back under the play calling of Paul Chris. Of course, Joel Rudolph was calling the plays last year. It switched back over to Chris for this upcoming season, so we'll talk about everything that kind of goes with that in a little bit more depth. We haven't talked about that uh, too deeply on the podcast quite yet with this off season. so we'll touch on a little bit of that, and then we'll get you guys out of here um, and hopefully you'll enjoy another week of the show. Before we get into everything, guys, we're going to touch upon home field apparel. Uh, last week they dropped their Wisconsin line, some vintage designs. I actually got notification of my shipment this morning. Spent way too money, too way too much money over there uh, this past week. They're dropping their Minnesota Golden Gopher line. So right now Wisconsin had a pretty good week. Um, in terms of overall sales, but we can always add to that and try and beat the Gophers because I know they're going to come out strong and try and beat Wisconsin. So smart marketing on their part, dropping Wisconsin and Minnesota back-to-back week. But they have vintage college apparel that you guys should go over and check out at homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code B5Q to get 15% off your first order. I'm so excited to get my order. There's a ton of great designs, some of their Smell the Roses shirt and there's some of their sweatshirts. I'm actually wearing one right now, um, so I can't wait to get that. Matt, I know you probably pulled the trigger some as well. Um, any word on a uh, shipment for you? Yeah, I just got that notification that my uh, my group of things is coming as well, so I'm very excited about that. We got a couple shirts from them kind of pre-release, which was exciting, and, and definitely some cool stuff, but I definitely had to add a few more things as well and uh, hit the credit card a bit. Yeah, that was a, a big day Saturday afternoon going through and looking at all those. I'm like, oh, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one. I got this one in the mail already, but I still want that one. So 
Uh, yeah, the credit card bill is certainly going to be uh, – got a big charge from home field, but they're a good brand to support. Um, they did a lot of help with us promoting the podcast and us, of course, promoting um, their website as well. So if you guys haven't already checked it out, make sure to go over to Home Field Apparel and check that out. All right, we'll talk about a little bit of news before we get into some football discussion. Nothing too crazy, but there is some uh, former Badgers getting some minutes at some pretty high stakes, and one, of course, bringing home some serious hardware. Ryan McDonough, now a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, we had Ryan McDonough going up against the young gun and Cole Caulfield in the Stanley Cup Finals, so we were going to have a Badger lifting the cup either way. But uh, for Ryan McDonough to win back-to-back, and be really a big contributor. Both him and Caulfield were huge parts of the Lightning and Canadians, but uh, for McDonough to win back-to-back is pretty special for Wisconsin hockey. Anything you took from that or just a cool moment to see a uh, Wisconsin you know, athlete on the big stage? I, anytime you can see a Wisconsin athlete go ahead and win, hoist the trophy, take part in just the finals, um, and in, in this case, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, it's a great thing for, for the brand that is Wisconsin, um, as well as, I mean, Ryan McDonough, tremendous talent. I, I can imagine that there's some some pissed-off Rangers fans right now after seeing that they once they traded him away in 2018, he's gone on to win the two Cups. Um, and, I mean, he's a leader. He's a really talented defenseman that uh, continues to make really good plays, and I think the Lightning are lucky to have him. And it was it was fun to see kind of him and Caulfield square off. But I think most people kind of assumed that this was going to be the way that it, things uh, unfolded. Yeah, it was a great run for the Canadians, but they, of course, fell, fell to the gentleman's sweep 4-1. Tampa Bay Lightning are, are just a wagon right now. To win back-to-back years is, is pretty impressive, um, especially with last year being so weird, being in the bubble. you you got some people who are saying, you know, the, the bubble titles aren't, aren't a full title, but the the Lightning came back and answered any doubters there, winning back-to-back. So really an impressive team overall. But like you said, always cool to see a Badger um, lifting the hardware. He's a Badger that I think a lot of fans look back on during his time at Wisconsin and, and look fondly of. I mean, you look at some of those players over the last decade. I know the last few years have been very you know low lows with, with some rough years, and then you know, all of a sudden a high last year to – this, this year, having a really great team with Caulfield on it and then struggling in the NCAA tournament. So I think you look back at Ryan McDonough and his days with Wisconsin and, and always look at it fondly. They were a fun team to watch for sure. And, and for him to get to the pinnacle of the National Hockey League, not once but twice, is a pretty cool moment for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll, we'll see if Frank Kaminsky can do something similar, I guess. I was going to say, speaking of speaking of big moments, um, Frank Kaminsky not only on the NBA Finals roster for the Phoenix Suns, but got some minutes in Game 1 and likely going to be getting some more minutes tonight in Game 2 as we record this. I know Dario Saric uh, tore his ACL, one of the Suns' big men, so Frank as their number three center essentially will now be getting some serious minutes in the NBA Finals, you would imagine. Um, I know for Bucks fans, it's it's... You're maybe torn a little bit, but I'm, I'm guessing the overwhelming majority are not really caring too much that Frank is uh, winning games. They'd rather see the Bucks win. I know I'm in that category, but it's still cool to see, again, a Wisconsin athlete on the big stage. And, and now, not just you know getting scrub minutes, he's probably going to be thrown into the fold a little bit more. will probably have an impact on this series. So uh, I know we're probably rooting for the Bucks pretty hard, but it's still cool to see Frank getting some minutes. 
Yeah, you got to root for him individually. Definitely not rooting for the Suns in any other way, though. <laughs> no, not at all. You don't need to see. Uh, you, Frank wants to go out and score 30 and uh, lose to the Bucks in in the next four games. I would be totally fine with that, and we can sign up for that um, every time out because everyone's hoping to see Milwaukee uh, lift that same hardware, which has been a long time coming for Bucks fans. There's been a lot of rough years, and hopefully they can bounce back in game two and even this series up. All right, moving on down the line, in terms of news, Wisconsin Volleyball announced their 2021 non-conference schedule. I know Wisconsin, with uh, some, some talented players back, are going to be looking to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. They're going to get some good tests in this non-conference schedule. They not only got Kentucky at home, which I think will be a very ruckus atmosphere. We've got TCU, Baylor will be a really good test, and then Dayton for two dates, as well as road trip to Marquette. So a lot of really interesting games. Uh, for Wisconsin Volleyball, I think that uh, the field house for that Kentucky game will certainly be rocking. But anything to take from that non-conference schedule? Yeah, I'm excited that they're having the red-white scrimmage. I think that's a return to normalcy that is that is needed, and ex- it is exciting for fans. But, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to circle that Kentucky game, look at that, and think, wow, that's 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 a big one. That's, that's going to be two top 25 teams, two of the better teams in the country. Going in on it, we'll see how Wisconsin holds up in, in that one, and, and and it's always good to to take care of Marquette. I would think that Wisconsin should be able to take uh, advantage of the Golden Eagles um, in that one. But yeah, Baylor is the other one to to circle as a, a top team that'll be coming in and and taking on the Badgers at the Fieldhouse and the newly renovated in some ways Fieldhouse, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the first couple weekends of September are going to be uh, quite a bit of fun. You'll have, of course, the opening of the Badger game September 4th. You'll have a Wisconsin volleyball game September 3rd, the night before. So you could have a, a late night at the Fieldhouse and an early morning at Camp Randall, and then the next weekend they've got Kentucky and they've got a home game with Eastern Michigan. So it's going to be nice to maybe have some of those uh, quote-unquote double headers, where you can kind of get to a couple different games. I know that uh, a Kentucky game will probably be a, a little bit more of a difficult uh, ticket to get, but with hopefully, you know, with full capacity and, uh, of course, they've, they've got a little bit more space in terms of the field house with this upcoming season. So should be a packed house, and, and you'll have some maybe some long weekends when you get to tailgating football early in the morning and also get into a volleyball game late at night. But I think with, with COVID messing so many things up and making sporting events so difficult to get to last year, I think we'll welcome some of those late nights and early mornings where people can go ahead and attend both of those games. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Why don't we get into some football talk now that we've knocked out some news. So, again, at the front of the show, guys, we talked about it. We've been doing these new position coaches and kind of going in-depth with each of those and, and how things will change with some of these new ones. And, of course, Paul Christ isn't necessarily a new coach by any means, of course, being the Wisconsin Badger head coach for years now, but he is taking back that similar role of quarterback coach now with John Budmeyer off to Colorado State. And it's going to be interesting to see how much this offense and quarterback position changes with Chris now taking the full reins back in both positions. So maybe we'll start with the quarterback coach side of it because I think there's two different conversations you can have. How do you think not well? How do you think Chris will help Mertz progress after an up and down year, and also help develop some of the guys behind him? Because I know right now the attention is, of course, on Graham Mertz and his development. But 
There's other guys that he's going to be working with. How do you think he takes that quarterback room to the next level after a year that was that had ebbs and flows under Graham Mertz? I think it's going to be big. Um, a lot of times when you have a position coach um, who you are working, you know, very closely with, you you grow that rapport. You can bounce ideas off one another, and and you can kind of get in a groove. And I'm I'm sure that Mertz had that with Bud Meyer, and and I think Bud Meyer brought a lot of really nice things to the staff. But at the same time, he's a position coach whose focus is on just quarterbacks. You look at Paul Christ, he's going to be looking at things through the lens of the bigger picture because he's the head coach, really taking back the offensive coordinator duties as well. So he's going to be going into that meeting room, talking with Graham Mertz and being able to help him hopefully see kind of the bigger picture and everything that's at works within the offense because I'm sure that Mertz knew some some of the basic formations, the reads, being able to do all those those aspects. But having a coach who not only has played the position, and I know Bud Meyer did as well, um, but played the position, um, has coached it at multiple different levels, and can kind of talk him through and break down what he's seeing at every snap is, is going to be crucial. And I think that that's something that's going to really help Graham Mertz because I think Graham Mertz, you heard, it, you even heard it last year, some announcers, they would say that they, they tried to take some of the load off of them and say, hey, here's your one, maybe two reads, and then we want you to run. Hopefully, they can break that down further so he can get through more progressions. I mean, part of that's on the offensive line and having wide receivers that can get open. But I do think that having Paul Chris, who has such a, a breadth of knowledge um, in terms of being a quarterback, but also with the offense in general, because He's the one who put this offense together. Um, I think that should help Mertz really better understand the offense completely and help him kind of take his game to the next level because I think the physical capabilities that Mertz brings are there. That is, that's ever-present. It's the mental things that need to be focused upon and making sure that his fundamentals are sound snap in and snap out, and I think that's what Paul Chris can help him with in terms of taking the next step. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you look at Graham Merch, even when he was coming into Wisconsin, you, you saw the, and of course, kind of thrust into action early with Jack Cohn last year, but you saw all the raw physical tools there. You saw the arm strength. He's got the touch. And I know last year, we, we saw that right out of the gate. You know, came out against Illinois and, and was just on fire. He looked like the real deal. Of course, later on in the season, injuries happened. There was a lot of different things, not to be a Mertz apologist, but I know um, there's a lot of outside factors that contributed to a less than less than up to par performance, you know, a subpar performance that way. And and I think he'd be the first to admit it as well. So I think Paul Chris this year can kind of come in and and clean up a lot of those things, of course, but also just help him read, you know, like you said, make progressions, you know, read the defense and and not go to just your first and second option. So part of that will be Graham Mertz taking the step in terms of maturity, going from you know, being a, a young kid and now all of a sudden having a lot of experience under his belt and, and moving into a normal year. But I also think Chris will really help move him along in that progression as well. So I think it's twofold where both guys can kind of take that step and Paul Chris can, of course, push him along um, to make that next step. So I think all of it being under, under one umbrella with those two working closely together will certainly help bring this quarterback group back to normalcy and hopefully it help the offense click a lot better overall. Yeah, and hopefully they, they have signals down this year so we're not having <laughs> Graham Mertz run run a marathon every game to the sidelines back and forth. 
Yeah, I was going to say, he, he certainly got his steps in last year, just running back and forth. Uh, you might have to slip uh, my Apple Watch on him so I can get my steps in for the day with the way he was running. And, yeah, that was uh, – I, I think that just goes to show that the, the offense last year was was a little bit of a mess. And, and hopefully with this all under one umbrella with Paul Chris and Graham Mertz um, and, and him, him taking over every aspect of the offense will hopefully allow things to, to be a little bit more clean, a little bit more crisp as we move forward here. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the next part, I think the next part of the recruiting uh, or the quarterback room is recruiting. Um, that's always an interesting battle that you take a look at, and especially with Paul Chris now taking on a little bit of everything with the offense. Uh, the recruiting part is going to be something to certainly pay attention to, and of course, they've, they've. I think they've hit a couple home runs with Mertz. I know last year was maybe not the year he wanted, but I think a lot of that doubt will be answered this year. But beyond that, they've done well with Deacon Hill, Miles Burkett now. So, so far, it seems like with John Budmeyer now being gone, it doesn't seem like the quarterback room has taken much of a, a miss quite yet. So how do you think the recruiting phase is going with now all of that being under that Paul Chris, Paul Chris umbrella? So far, it seems, seems to be doing fine. Um, I, I think, really, you look at the way in which Wisconsin's quarterback room is, is built right now, and... With Cone out of the equation, you've got Mertz for a few more years, so I think you feel comfortable there. Um, assuming he doesn't just like light the world on fire and leave early or something, you know, completely out of the blue. But I think you then look at you've got Chase Wolf, a guy who hasn't has played, you know, sparingly, helped out as a backup role. Danny Vandenboom, this is probably his last year, and then you've got Chase Wolf as a as a reserve. Daniel Wright is a walk-on who probably won't see the field. Um, at least Badger fans should hope that he probably doesn't see the field. Um, and and I think the bringing in of Deacon Hill was a big get. I, I really like him as a prospect. I think he's a type of player that that could really flourish in this offense. Um, I, I just it's one of those when when you look at the the years though, and and Cal Day went ahead and and skipped a class, I think that's something that I still am a, a little hesitant about. Um, that 2020 class, they didn't really go after a lot of guys. They had offers out to Tyler Van Dyke, Max Johnson, and Parker McQuarrie. I, I thought that they were going to get McQuarrie. Um, he ended up going to UCLA. Um, and and I, I think them completely going away from that um, had a lot to do with – you know, the Graham Mertz and, and everything, as well as Deacon Hill. I think it definitely helped them to keep Deacon Hill instead of him eventually pot- or potentially flipping over to UCLA. But I, I, you then look at it, like I said, Deacon Hill I feel good about. Um, I, then in this most recent class, you know, they've got Miles Burkett, um, the in-state kid who, who plays um, really well. I, I think he's going to be a, a solid player for the Badgers. But you also have to look at the fact that they they didn't get Devin Brown, and he was he was their top of the board guy, um, four star kid, out out of I mean he he was from Arizona, went to Utah now so he could have put could actually play last year um, due to COVID, committed to USC you know out of nowhere. Um, we had him on the podcast and he seemed like it was a done deal. He was going to be a Badger, um, and then that USC offer and it kind of just shocked everyone. But he just lit up the lead eleven and looked really good. So I think that's a miss. Like I don't, I don't think that. I, I mean, I should say I'm guessing that's going to be a miss. Um, USC quarterbacks have a pretty strong 
um, tradition of, of going on and doing some good things, having a good shot in the NFL. So I get his decision. But that's one I think Wisconsin would have rather had. It took them a while to pull the trigger on going and pivoting to Burkett, who I, who I definitely think will bring – think will bring something, uh, an added element to the offense um, in terms of his ability to run. But I still think that you look at it not taking somebody in, 20, in that 2020 class and then looking at it that, hey, they didn't get the guy that they pretty much had sewn up um, in the 2022 class. And I think it's a pretty big, a pretty mixed bag right now um, in terms of quarterback recruiting. Um, we'll see what they can do in 2023 and beyond. But but I do think that while I'm excited about what Burkett, what Deacon Hill, Graham Mertz can do, that's three quarterbacks in four cycles, and it's that's not something that's always great to do because you're you're going to be low on scholarship numbers here in that quarterback room moving forward once uh, Chase Wolf and Danny Vandenmoom are gone. Yeah, I think that whole part of it is certainly interesting when you look at the numbers that way. Um, I think it comes down to what you and when you if you look forward into the future, I think well where if you look at it and say okay, Graham Ertz had a good career, Deacon Hill you know came along and and Miles Burkett, if all those guys shake out and do well, then I, I think you don't feel that the Devin Brown you know him going to USC as as big of a miss. But if you if you look at one of those three, and, and I think Graham Mertz is maybe. Unfair to put in that same group because he's already had experience. But if you look at Hill and Miles Burkett, if one of those two doesn't pan out the way I think Wisconsin is looking at it, and and of course with Miles Burkett, I think he's going to be a good player, but he wasn't their top of the board guy. So that part, if, if something doesn't quite click there, then I could see you going back and say, yeah, that was definitely a big miss with Devin Brown because if he was all USC from the jump, I don't think you'd look at it and say it was a miss. It was just you know this kid wanted to go elsewhere, but like you said, when he was on the podcast, it sounded, you know, you and I, when we got off, offline, said, man, that sounds like as close to a done deal for Wisconsin as you could get. I mean, we're not experts. We don't know what a high school kid is thinking. And of course, those things change. But the way he talked about it on the podcast, you thought, you thought it was pretty much a done deal. Uh, and for him to end up at USC, granted, you know, like you said, USC is a great school. They have a good track record of, of putting quarterbacks in the NFLs, and, and he's been a prospect that has certainly taken off. So maybe it would have not ended up Wisconsin at the end, but there was even, you know, two four seven predictions. There was a whole nine yard for, for Devin Brown uh, to end up a Badger, and it didn't happen. So I think time will tell on, on where they're at in terms of the, the recruiting space right now in terms of the quarterback position. I think you've got to like what you've got. But there's certainly the possibility that if something doesn't go right, that you could look at it and go, man, uh, the way things shook out, maybe they could have done a little bit better in that quarterback room moving forward. But you know that 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 could happen. They could see that as a miss, or things work out and the guys that they have take off, and, and you don't think twice about it. So the the future prospect is certainly something to watch for in that quarterback room. Yeah, for sure, and I, I agree with you that that as long as Hill. Or Burkett. I think you really just mm-hmm. need one of those guys yeah. to pan out and be the guy to take over for once Graham Mertz is gone. Um, you really just need one of them. But in this day and age where quarterbacks are transferring, you still have injuries to deal with. I, I still, I still have some some hesitancy about them skipping taking a quarterback in that that class following Mertz. I think that was a move that we'll see how it plays out moving forward. But I, I mean, I'm, I can still remember the Badgers getting burned when, when they saw um, 
Bud Meyer get hurt, when they had Kurt Phillips get hurt, right? Like that was a complete and utter disaster for a while there in terms of the quarterback room and had to, to really try to figure some things out last minute. So I, I don't think it'll be kind of that dire. Um, at least I hope it won't get to that point. But at the same time, numbers-wise, they're pretty thin at quarterback. Um, but but I, I do think that the talent is there in the room and that they, they should be okay um, on the talent side of things. Yeah, and going off of that, I know the, of course, the other, the next, you look forward the 2023 class where Wisconsin's going to go. Of course, they've thrown off that offer to Brayden Dorman, who seems to be their guy in that future group right now, the, the top-ranked player in the state of Colorado, according to 247 Sports. So in that situation with where he's at right now, you got to feel good about Wisconsin being in that competition. He, he's got some offers from some other big schools, but in terms of program pedigree, I think Wisconsin's by far and away um, the leader in the clubhouse. He's got offers from Mississippi State, Oregon State, uh, Louisiana Tech, Kansas, Iowa State, Colorado State, and Colorado. So when you look at that list, Wisconsin's certainly doing a good job in that class of 2023 right now. And if he lands a commitment there, you, you feel pretty good about it because really, like you said, we're only taking you know one a class maybe, and sometimes they, they skip a year, which you talked about a little bit already, but what do you make of Wisconsin going after him, and is there any other things that you see in that 2023 group that could maybe alter the picture a little bit as we talk about where Wisconsin goes with the future under Paul Chris in that quarterback room? Yeah, I think the 2023 class is going to be a big one at quarterback. You want to get one of your top-of-the-board guys, um, and and I do think that Dorman is probably their, their best bet there. They've got another offer out to Cam Edge. Um, I think he's going to be a little tougher to pull in. Um, quarterback. I mean, he's he was out of that kind of D.C. He played at Dematha. He transferred over to to Delaware um, to play. Now, once again, COVID stuff. But I do think that that Dorman it has a well beatable offer list. Has the size that you want at the quarterback. Um, you know, pocket passer that I think that Wisconsin's in a really good spot for right now. I'm interested to see when his when it comes to fall and he's able to get out there, put some more film out, what do other people get, what other schools get involved? Um, and can Wisconsin get him on campus early in the fall and hopefully shut things down? Because quarterback recruiting goes much faster than most other positions. Guys try to lock down that spot because, once again, you're only looking at one usually. So I think as things stand, I think Wisconsin feels really good. I think that it's pretty telling that they only have those two offers out and that they they had a bunch of kids on campus, a bunch of four-star kids. They had an in-state kid, Chase Spellman, as well on campus, all of which are talented players come in, come in for camp, and Dorman was the only one to earn an offer. And I, I think if, if they were kind of doing a spray-and-pray method and, and trying to see – which guy will, will bite? I think you you might be like, okay, well they feel they must not feel great about any of the guys in terms of being a Badger lean or really thinking they got a the the top status for them or or lead for his recruitment. But I do think only throwing that one offer out screams that they feel really good about Dorman and that they think they have a really good shot at bringing him in. Now it's a matter of keep you know keeping other programs away because there's going to be more they're going to get involved. And then closing come fall, winter, when, when recruiting starts really firing up and kids can get back on campus again um, and, and for games. 
Yeah, and kind of going off the previous conversation with that, I think that Braden Dorman, like you said, if they were throwing out offers left and right, maybe you didn't feel as confident. But I think right now they've certainly got at least a bulk of their eggs in his basket, thinking that they can land him in that part of the 2023 group. But I think the question beyond that is if some other school comes in and, and makes a push and Wisconsin all of a sudden doesn't get their top-of-the-board guy in that class as well, along with not landing Devin Brown in, in that class before, all of a sudden you're looking at the quarterback position and, and maybe scratching your head a little bit of there. So, again, that the, the quarterback room is so interesting in terms of recruiting because it's not like you're going out there and, and circling, you know, like we've, we've talked about the defensive line room and the cornerback room a lot. You've got – a few different guys circled. If you land one, two of them, you feel good. If you land a couple at that other position, you feel good. But with quarterback, you, you've really got one shot at a lot of these guys, and you're likely only taking one in that group. So if you've got this guy honed in on as being your top one, you, you've got to really do a good job of going out there and making sure to lock him down. Because if not, all of a sudden you've got two years of, of maybe – I don't want to say settling because I think Miles Burkett will possibly has the chance to be a really good player for Wisconsin. But again, wasn't the the guy that they had circled first. If you miss out on that top two guys, what that might do for the future of the position is certainly interesting. And of course, college football is changing all the time. You've got you've got transfers that can now hop around left and right. But Wisconsin hasn't always been most active in that market, especially you know looking at uh, the quarterback room. They've landed some you know one and dones like Russell Wilson's, but. You're not going to land that time in and time out. So it's certainly uh, an interesting conversation that, that really ramps up with the quarterback room only having you know a limited number of players in that room. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is let's let's just like let's throw an idea out here that and I don't see this happening, but let's say that after this year, Chase Wolf is like, hey, I want to go play somewhere, and he decides he's going to transfer. Which hey more power to him. I don't see that happening. I think he loves it at UW. But let's say he does because he's looking at his eligibility clock and he's saying, hey, I'm probably not going to have the shot to be the guy here. I want to go play at somewhere else. Um, and and he, he leaves. Wisconsin's down a couple quarterbacks. Maybe 2023 is a year scholarship offers are back to a more normal cycle. I mean, this this year, the Badgers 2022 cycle, they're really strapped for, for scholarship offers that they can throw out there. Maybe in 2023, they have the ability to bring in more guys. Maybe you see a kid like Chase Fellman, out of, uh, kid out of Wales, um, plays at Kettle Moraine, 6'4", 205, um, that he's in-state kid that they can give a gray shirt offer to and get him in into the program with, um, you know, a couple of years where he's going to be a walk-on, a couple of years where he's on scholarship, um, and, and instead you bring in two quarterbacks in the class, similar to what they did when they brought in Jack Cohn and Danny Vandenboom. I think that might be a way to to try to, to boost the numbers in the, the quarterback room, especially if you're looking at if Paul Chris looks at things and sees, okay, well, um, Chase Wolf just transferred and Graham Mertz, you know, he lights it up in, in – 2020 this year and then is probably projected to be uh, a guy who leaves after his junior year then it's all the more reason to, to bring in another guy so I do think there's a chance they bring in two quarterbacks um, this year but I do think that if they get a kid like Dorman it lowers that that possibility um, unless it's a kid from in-state like Spellman or somebody who's a little lower rated recruit that has a chance to um, really flash and has high 
high potential, but not not necessarily a, a really tough offer list coming in. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. That's what makes the quarterback room and, and that recruitment so fascinating is that you can you, you look at not only the guys that you have in the room right now, but you're also you know, looking at how a guy in the 2023 class might change the dynamics of a class. So I think that's what makes recruiting so much different in that position versus others. But um, going off, of, we, we talked a little bit about the quarterback room. Now let's focus in on Hone or uh, as Chris as the offensive coordinator because I think that's the other big part of this offseason change. I, I think it'll be a welcome change going back to him as a play caller. But in terms of the offense as a whole, what do you think he'll kind of bring back now that he takes the reins back over? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I do think that there will be greater organization within the offense. I don't think there's going to possibly be those things where you're having to have your quarterback run over to the sidelines. Like, I mean, that mm. was straight up like high school football. Like, like played that we didn't even do that in high school football, um, and that was many years ago. So, I, I look at it. I think there's going to be a, a greater organization first and foremost. Um, beyond that, I think. Another thing that he's going to be bringing back is is maybe a little bit more of a balanced approach, maybe opening up some opportunities for for some more creativity. And I do think aggressiveness. You look back at last year, and I, I know part of the reason that they couldn't be aggressive was because they had so many guys hurt. They didn't have um, a full assortment of weapons for Mertz and for um, really that entire backfield for most of the year. But I you saw in – in 2019, them really go ahead and put their foot on the gas and take out a team like Michigan where they're going for it on their own, like, 38-yard line and on fourth and one and being willing to do that. And we didn't see that last year. We just didn't see that. And I'm sure part of that was confidence in the offense. But I do think part of it is just you had a, a, a new offensive coordinator. Now, granted, we don't know how long Joe Rudolph has been calling the plays. Um, it's it's one of those things where every year it was brought up and people would ask um, Paul Christ and he would just kind of talk about the opportunity that was in front of them um, and pivot pretty quick there. But I do think that it's pretty telling that he went ahead and said, hey, Joe Rudolph was calling it last year. We're making a change. I mean, that is that that's definitely – um, probably showing that Chris was probably calling plays for a while. Um, you know, he came in in 2015. I would guess probably doing it through that 2018 year, maybe a little into 2019. Last year they tried something different maybe, um, and things didn't work. Um, and so I do think that you're going to see better passing schemes going forward. I, I just think you're going to see more creativity. And, God, I, I brought this up earlier. I really just hope I see that tight end middle screen. Um, I, I just I can still have images of, of Owen Daniels running up the middle of the field or, or Lance Kendrick doing the same and, and busting it off for, for 30 yards when it was uh, third and eight and everybody's, you know, in prevent trying to keep you from getting to the chains. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think the creativity will certainly be back. He's he's always been great at that, even during his time when he was just the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. He, he's always had a, a, a great mind for coming up with things and, and using his personnel in the most creative way possible. So I think that's certainly something that you'll see. Aggressiveness, I hope so. I, I love the aggressive Paul Chris when he goes out and, and plays that way. Um, I, I think it gives a, the players a lot of confidence in, on the offense that they can go and, and get things clicking and, and make these things happen. And 
and not the, you know, let's let's be conservative, punt it away, and let our defense win it. Uh, I think that gives the offense a lot of confidence. The other thing that I'm really excited to hopefully get back with Paul Chris is is the play calling and, and the flow of the game. I, I think last year sometimes, and part of it is, you know, the offense was, was really in, in shambles a lot of the time. You had, you, you had your personnel banged up. It was a weird year with COVID. You had all sorts. You had merch running over the sidelines. But there was also parts of it where sometimes the, the rhythm of the play calling just didn't make a lot of sense, where I think Paul Chris in the past has really been good about knowing what card to play in the in the down and distance and situation versus last year there was a couple times where it's it's third and two and there's a play action pass chucked down to the end zone and you're sitting there going man you know we only needed two yards and and sometimes that aggressive approach is great but I think Chris has a really good understanding and feeling as a play caller I think calling plays at the, at the football especially at the college football level and finding the right rhythm to to how to go about it is is really an art form that I think Paul Chris does a good job of. Where if you've got a, a play caller that is clicking on all cylinders, it's, it's really fun to watch. And Wisconsin didn't have that last year. It just felt like messy a lot of the times in terms of approach. So I think that's the other thing that Wisconsin will certainly get back, in addition to the aggressiveness, is the flow and the play calling will, will start to make a little bit more sense, I think, this upcoming year versus where it was at last year. You mean they're not going to run their fourth-string running back when it's third and eight in plus territory? <laughs> yes. And it's his only carry for the entire year? Yep. That's that's the things that I think last year you go, and maybe, who knows, maybe last year they looked at it after they lost a couple games with COVID and just said, hey, let's just try something out. Let's let Joe you know, call the plays for the rest of the year and see what works and what doesn't. I think we, we got a good answer on what doesn't work, but I think the flow will, will certainly be something that will be welcomed back and, and be a lot of fun to see this upcoming year. Yeah, and and that's what when I look at it, I, I you look at their yards and, and kind of how everything has changed. And I know we're going to talk about what we could see from this offense in a little bit. But I'm glad you brought in kind of pl- making the right calls at the right time. Timing is so important when you're an offensive coordinator. And and you're right, it didn't seem always to click or to jive when when you saw it. And and right, like we're just untrained eyes. Um, and and I'm sure that. People who are paid much more than us are making decisions. But I do think Paul Christ making a stand and saying, I'm taking back over offensive play, play calling, says a lot. And it says, and it tells you everything you need to know about what he saw last year and what he's thinking uh, about um, everything that kind of transpired on the offense. Well, to round things out, let's go ahead and talk about the offense and, and where we think they'll improve a little bit. Because I think when you look at, him taking back over the play calling duties. I think everybody is now in a, a really strong position to do what they do best. You know, you've got Chris back as the quarterback coach and offensive play caller. I think that's the strength of him as a coach. Uh, you look at Joe Rudolph, he's now focused back in on the offensive line. I think that's the strength for him as a coach. Um, you know, I, I think Chris being solely focused on the offense and just allowing Jim Leonard and his staff to, to handle things on the defense is great, and, and Chris can use his mind on the offensive side is, is really going to – everything's going to, I think, elevate position by position on that offensive side of the ball. But where do you think the improvements will be with now all these changes kind of being back to everybody, I think, playing to their full strength? I, I think you're going to see a lot 
better offense just in general. Um, you're going to see more explosive plays, hopefully less turnovers. I, I don't know. I think that's one thing that um, I would still kind of look at and say, ooh, I don't know if, that, if that's going to necessarily get better. But I, I look at it as Paul Chris came in 2015, right? He's been here for, for a while now. He's got six years under his belt as Wisconsin head coach. And in those years, there's only been one year where they haven't averaged over five yards per carry. And that was last year. And last year, they were at 4.9 yards per carry. Most of the other years, they were at over six per mm-hmm. carry. And I know that some of that is elevated by having a guy like Jonathan Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor a- averaged averaged over um, six, in one, six in one year, 5.3. So it's not like it's, it's like crazy dis- difference in terms of the average per carry here. But I think the biggest thing is that the offense couldn't rely on their run game last season. And, and part of that was offensive line. Some of that was talent in the backfield. And I think that this year they're going to have Berger. He was, he was I mean, Groshek had the, the Groshek game against Minnesota. But outside of that, you just didn't see much from the offense in terms of running the football, which was partly because teams could stack the box. Wisconsin couldn't throw the damn ball. I, I do think that this year you're going to see the offense. I think there's going to be a more athletic offensive line. John Dietzen, he's a he's a really strong player. He do a lot of nice things. Cole Van Lannen, um, really big, strong left tackle. But I do think that Tyler Beach gives you a little bit more in terms of pass blocking at left tackle. I think that Jack Nelson gives you a lot more athleticism at right guard than than Dietzen. So I think that the offense is going to offensive line will be in a better spot, especially if Caden Lyles can stay healthy, which in turn gives the kid like Berger, Ches Malusi. I think he's a he's a wild card in this whole equation as somebody who could really help them out um, as that running back number two. So I think the running game is going to get back to a spot where you look at it and say, oh yeah, that's Wisconsin running the football. We didn't see that last year. You saw you didn't see a lot of breakaway plays. I mean, John Chenault had the longest run of the season at 43 yards. That is absurd. Um, so I do think that there's going to be more uh, uh, more of an emphasis on running, running the football to set up the pass. Um, and I think that that will, in turn, help the passing game in a lot of ways as well. And I think just, just having the weapons back at, at wide receiver is going to do all the difference for the passing game. Um, I don't think that you're going to see – Spencer Rattler type numbers or anything like that, but I do think you're going to see Graham Mertz looking a lot more comfortable, playing a lot more confident, and completing passes down the field to a better assortment of wide receivers than were out there last year. Yeah, I think there's so many different things that you can look at and point to the offense that will will certainly be better, and and that that's probably true for a lot of teams across the country. Last year, you had so many; it was just a weird year. You had opt outs, you had guys getting hurt, you had COVID pauses. So I think offense as a whole and college football will be a little bit better of a product. But for Wisconsin especially, you're going to see an offense that will, will click a little bit better. The run game will hopefully be more explosive to open things up and allow them to work you know, the passing game off of the run game. Wisconsin does a really good job when they're clicking on all cylinders of being able to, and especially under Paul Chris, his offenses were always really good about you know establishing the run and then working the pass off of that. And I think that will should help Graham Mertz. It should help the receivers take a little bit of pressure off them. And the offensive line, I think with Joe, Joe Rudolph back, focus completely in on that will allow the offensive line to, to hone in on, on making their blocks. So 
I know we sound uh, you know like we're we're expecting the Wisconsin offense to really take a big step and, and everything's going to be better, but I think when you look at how low things were at some points last year, it's hard to envision anything where anything's going to take a step back, and, and hopefully that's the case, and Wisconsin offense will will click the way they have uh, in previous years, and, and, and hopefully we'll get back to some winning ways. So I think last year was a year that um, we learned a lot, we saw a lot from Wisconsin football, but not a year that any of us need to really revisit and, uh, and want to go back and see once again. I honestly... Dude, if, if it's not better, I mean, I don't know what to tell you because that mm-hmm. Wisconsin offense last year was reminiscent of, of Northwestern the year before. I mean, they, they couldn't do it on the ground. They couldn't do it through the air. They had a, a redshirt freshman quarterback throwing it throwing it 40-plus times a game a couple of times, and that's not a recipe for success. When most of your offensive line, most of your entire um, – coaching style and, and defense is predicated on, on maintaining control of the ball and, and running the football, it, it, it was a mess. So I, I think it's going to be much better, especially when you look at just the fact that they're going to have a healthy amount of guys. Who knows? Maybe injuries pop back up and Wisconsin's screwed from the get-go um, because of that. But, but I do think that unless something drastically wrong happens, Wisconsin's going to be in a better spot offensively. Defense, who knows? But I do think the offense is going to make um, huge gains compared to what they put together last year um, for a variety of reasons. Fingers crossed. It'll certainly, uh, if they do take those strides forward, it'll be a much more entertaining game of football as fans get back to Camp Randall. I think we'll all hope to see some exciting offense from the Badgers. All right, guys, that wraps up another week of the podcast. Always, As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later next week on Wisconsin.